0: Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ Tanda and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, for the long-anticipated episode 26. Our skill today is 3D printing. The, the Tom has been super excited about this. He's been asking for it pretty much since like 2020. So, before we jump into it. 3D printing is a skill class 5, plus or minus 3, because you do need some some skill in order to make this function. However, on the very low end, you could have very little skill and just download files and get stuff going. On the high end, you could be creating your own files that are very advanced, uh, which is almost an industrial application by itself. However, I digress. Tom? Yeah. What research didn't you do about 3D printing during the week?
1: 3D printing. Did you guys know that there was a sitcom about 3D printing back in the 90s? No. What was it called Three's Company? No. Uh, it was uh, September 10th, 1990, first episode, air. It was called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Really? Oh, my.
2: Yeah. That's crazy. Can you believe it? And that was all about 3D printing? Yeah. Whole thing, whole show. That had, that had, that had Will Smith, didn't it?
1: It did. He's my favorite.
2: Yeah. I remember that. Yeah.
0: I've seen that show, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have. It's pretty popular. Yeah, there was no 3D printing. It it was heavily disguised. What are you talking about? <sighs> he was he was a prince, not a printer. No, fresh prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was the fresh he, prince, not fresh print.
2: He was printed. You're
1: He, he was, was not, PJ, he you're wore, literally you're literally repeating the words. I don't understand you I understand you're trying to separate these two things, but you're saying the same thing you're saying fresh prints
0: yeah fresh like fresh royalty you know not what? not that not, doesn't make not, any sense not prints like from a printer
1: the sh- it was a american based show we don't have royalty here
0: I think that was part of the charm of the show
2: that it would be uh like a three d printer which doesn't make any sense at all
1: hmm Hmm. Hmm. You know, I'm gonna look into this and get back to you guys. But maybe we should throw it over to Tanda. Oh God, Tanda, can you?
0: Do you have anything to salvage Tom's train wreck of an answer? No. <laughs> it's all on me again, isn't it? I I,
2: I thought about looking up, uh, you know, kind of the, the the history of 3D printing, and uh, uh, and I've I actually paid back when I got my printer, I paid for a book um, that I should have looked up before the show. But this guy has published a like end-all, be-all you know book on three D printing for years. It's like a journal that's come out every year since I don't know sometime back in the late eighties, early nineties timeframe, where he covers all of the different manufacturers of three D printers, all of the different technologies. And I and I thought about uh, reading from that book, but that's pretty dry. But, but I did fork out the money to buy it when I was researching my 3D printer because it was so long ago that I wanted to see what the industry was doing. It, it,
0: is, is that, that it? That's, it my,
2: that's my non-research for, for this episode.
0: So your non-research is that you bought a book years ago.
2: Yeah. And I just started looking up uh, a manufacturer, German manufacturer of high-end 3D printers. But I'll, I'll get to that maybe in the in the show.
0: I'm gonna have to file a formal complaint with the union because you guys are just leaving me hanging. Like I got to do all the work and you guys aren't doing anything. That's, that's a, I'm. I'm gonna talk to Jerry and I'm gonna oh, have my, you guys written up.
2: My agreement is is every third show I have to actually do some legitimate research. I, that's in my contract.
1: It's documented.
0: Yeah, th- that's that. That contract is separate from union bylaws, is what I'm trying to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna file an injunction.
2: Oh, I think it's I think it's legitimate. Tom signed it.
0: Tom thought that he was buying something. That's why he signed it.
1: As acting commissioner of the union, do unions have commissioners? No. Because that's how I signed it.
0: You're thinking of a police chief.
1: No, I think I was thinking of Batman. Yeah, that's Uh, what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, Batman has a commissioner instead of a chief.
2: So you're saying that my contract that's signed by Chief Tom is possibly illegitimate?
0: That's exactly what I'm saying.
2: Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll try to I'll try to do some research for next time. Never mind. Uh, uh, let's let's
0: move on. All right. Well, I I actually did research. I don't know why I bother anymore. I'll just cut this whole section. So, I actually had something cool to say uh, until I I thought that uh, you know somebody else was going to do the history, but since nobody else did, I'll do it. 3D printing started in 1981 and it started with a guy named uh, Dr. Hideo Kodama. And uh, he was in Japan, and he applied for a patent for a rapid prototyping device, uh, which used a laser beam to cure resin. And unfortunately, he didn't have the funding, uh, and he missed his one-year deadline and didn't get the patent. Uh, Then we moved to France, and there was a whole bunch of french people which i'm not going to attempt their names well well how about olivier dewitt i'll say him the other two I'm, i'm not mentioning but anyway they also had an idea for a rapid prototyping device and uh they were working for alcatel which i believe was a cell phone company and they were doing um fractal research on geometry parts and uh, one of the people wanted to make small parts, and basically everybody he was working with said, no, we can't do that. And he's like, I bet I can. And so anyway, these three French people put together a system, which used a laser and powder, and they filed for a patent in 1984. However, without proper funding, they were forced to abandon the project, and they, they didn't get the patent. Do, do you guys see a trend happening here? This is also, by the way, why I don't have any patents, because I don't have any funding. Yeah. So then, what was that, Tom?
1: No, uh, when you're done, I have something to add that's even earlier than the 80s. I did research. I just refuse to give it to you when you want it. Uh, I don't
0: believe you. Don't believe you. Go no, ahead. Not in for a second. So anyway, uh, 1984 was the lucky year for 3D printing. Uh, a guy named Chuck Hull was frustrated that it took him so long to make small custom parts. And he convinced his company that they should make something to make small parts using photosensitive resin, uh, curing it layer by layer, eventually creating a part. And uh, he is the, I guess the, the daddy of uh, stereolithography, which is uh, one of the types of 3D printing that's out there. And his patent was issued in 1986 and he started his own company in uh, Valencia, California, named 3D Systems, and uh, they re- they released their first commercial product, the SLA one in 1988. So that was when the first system was available. But uh, that's that's quite a long time from 1981 to 1988, nine years before there was an actual product. It took quite a bit to, to get going, uh, and then later on in uh, in 88. Uh, Somebody else came up with the first SLS printer, which is selective laser sintering. Uh, And the guy that did that was Carl Deckard. He was an undergraduate for the University of Texas. And his machine, while it did work, was not really focused on detail. He was just interested in producing simple chunks of plastic to prove that his concept was feasible. And then moving right along... We come to probably the 3D printers that most of us know, uh, FDM, which is Fused Deposit Modeling. And the guy that that patented this, I love this guy's name the best out of all, Scott Crump. (laughs) Like, like Crump. (laughs) Anyway, uh, he was the co-founder of Stratasys uh, in 1989. They're a Minnesota-based company. And they are one of the market leaders in high-precision 3D printers. And then, you know, it goes on from there, and more and more people jumped on board, and so on and so forth. Time you're waving your hand like you had something to say.
1: Yeah, no, I'm going to take it back to the 1940s. I bet you didn't know this. Uh, there was a book written called—I'm sorry, it was a short story—called Things Pass By. And there's a quote in that book by Murray Leinster— and it says, I'm going to read it because it's interesting, but this constructor is both efficient and flexible. He's talking about a 3d printer. He didn't call it that, but he's talking about a 3d printer. I feed magne- magnetronic plastics, the stuff they make houses and ships nowadays into this moving arm. It makes drawings in the air, following drawings, it scans with photo cells, but plastic comes out of the end of the drawing arm and hardens as it comes out. Yada, yada, following drawings only.
0: That's crazy. I got to say, Tom, you, you've made up a lot of things in the past, and um, this, <laughs> is, this is this very elaborate. Uh, I'll give you that, but I'm not buying it. It is. I'm not buying it at no, all.
1: No, I'll, 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 I mean, I just updated the Wikipedia page, so it's there. That, I believe. Ver- true story. True story. It even says in the 50s, uh, it was also described by Raymond F. Jones in his story, Tools of the Trade published in November 1950, issue of Astounding Science Fiction magazine. He referred to it as a molecular spray in that story, which is far less impressive than the guy in the 40s that literally said, but plastic comes out of the end of the drawing arm and hardens as it comes. So, like, that's cool.
0: Tom, both of the things you referenced were science fiction
1: stories. Doesn't matter. How do you think Tom Clancy made a living? He invented all of those things that the Navy SEALs did, and the Navy SEALs were like, how did you know this? And he's like, and he just kind of thought it up.
0: Um, what are the things from Star Trek that just make everything out of molecules? What are those called, Tom?
1: Replicators. Replicators? You can mute. You can cut Tanda saying it, and it'll sound like I knew what you were talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. But y- you get what I'm saying here. They've they've been talking about replicators since, like, what, the 60s? and I mean— We, we don't have them yet. Right,
2: Tom. Side sidebar. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, yeah. when PJ comes back, you you, you should yeah. remind him that this is like a history and fun facts section. So y- your your ideas are, are good. They're they're just fun facts. They're not history. They're not. But they're not my ideas. I'm. Well, I mean, your your contribution ah is is a fu- is a fun fact. It is a fun. F- it's a very
1: fun fact. Yeah.
2: And and so I think it fits. I think it fits into the fun fact portion of the history and fun
1: facts. I agree. Let's get back. Yeah. Let's uh let's go find PJ. You there? Yeah, yeah. What's going on, Tom? Yeah. Uh no, nothing. I just wanted to point out to you that uh, this segment is called history and, and fun facts and I think I contributed some pretty fun facts. Oh, oh, now you're claiming it's a fun fact instead of actual
0: fact. That's that's completely different. Yes.
1: No, fact fun facts are actual facts.
0: No, not not really. They're just fun facts.
1: Okay, what about your scissor contributions in the past uh, six months? Are those fun or facts?
0: No, those are superstitions. They're, they're neither.
2: Correct. I didn't, I didn't want to bring this up earlier because uh, I didn't want to steal it from PJ, but uh, I did find a couple of uh, 3D printing superstitions.
0: <laughs> really? I, I'd love to hear them.
2: Well, just, just two, really. One, one superstition is that if you don't watch the first layer go down, Your print is sure to fail, and and the second one is if it's a small print, you have to watch it the entire time, or it will fail. If you turn your back on it, your print will fail.
1: That's true. Those are those those are fun facts. Those aren't even superstitions. Those are actual fun facts.
0: Those those sound like they're not fun
1: though. They're facts.
0: That 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 sounds more like just guidelines. I don't don't know if that's a superstition.
2: And if you if you stand on your left leg and, and turn around twice then you can then you can leave and let it print on its own
0: i mean if it was like if you don't watch it the entire time wrote, you know mecha godzilla is going to come to your house and eat you in your sleep I, I, that that i'd buy but you know this this sounds like way too believable like you actually have to do it
2: i snap my fingers when i wake up in the morning just to keep kangaroos away
0: does, does it work
2: <laughs> it works I, work? I i have yet to see a kangaroo anywhere in new mexico so i'm pretty sure that it's working
0: I'll have to start doing that. I don't want them to start showing up in Pennsylvania, that's for sure.
2: Better to be proactive.
0: You've just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. Well, I don't know exactly what I did to please the junk gods last week, but I've got got quite a, a haul. Not just one day, but three days of hauls. So the first thing that hit me was the seven-minute special, and uh, this was this was a little tricky. I gotta say, uh, there was a bunch of tools that somebody put up a post for forty bucks, and the person that was listing it was named Kelly. Now, when I got there, at first I thought I was going to to Kelly's house, uh, but Kelly ended up being James because it was a dude that was having his daughter list everything for him, and I as I was, that was the first confusion. Uh, however, forty bucks. Uh, I caught it. The reason it's the seven-minute special, I caught it at seven minutes, but I was not the first person. Somebody else had got there before me. Wow! And so I had messaged. I was like, "I'll take it." Or, or no, I said, "Is this still available?" And they said, uh, "They said no. Somebody else got to it first. And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, just uh, if it's available, let me know." and 5 minutes later she was like yeah that guy's not responding do you want it and i'm like oh this is this is like one of those situations yeah so i didn't even try to haggle <laughs> i was going to offer like 40 like 30 bucks for the 40 you know but i i was just like yeah okay i'll take it yeah
1: the uh the friend posting for the friend or the daughter posting for the dad it can go either way in the most or worst way can't yes it?
0: Yes, it's it's totally unpredictable, and you you can get, yeah, it's it's. It sounds like this went in your favor. It did go in my favor. Um, it was an hour drive away, and I I the way that it was coming across, it sounded like there was more tools. So I was looking forward to seeing like what else was there, but then the I get to the address, and it's a strip mall, and the guy is waiting there in his car. And he he didn't want me to come to his house because I found out later that his daughter was at the house. And this guy, like, doesn't know me. And he's like, I don't want you coming around my daughter. I don't know you. But, you know, we changed that, you know. So, anyway, um, 40 bucks got me. Sounds like he did know you. Well, we, we, after. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. That was fantastic. Uh, I ended up talking to him for like forty-five minutes, just telling him a bunch of stories. And you know, by by the time I got done, he was like ready to buy something from me. That's I'm not I'm not kidding. He wants to come and buy a bandsaw from me. But um, for the forty bucks, this is what I got. Um, I got six four and a half inch Makita angle grinders. Uh, I got a it's a seven or a nine inch Milwaukee angle grinder. I couldn't tell because the label is a bit beat up. Uh, I got a giant black and decker heavy-duty drill that probably weighs about 50 pounds thing is massive Uh, i got a van dorn drill i got a bosch drill i got a chicago electric handheld metal cutting bandsaw i got a six inch delta bench grinder i got an air impact wrench air ratchet and an air right angle mini drill And then this wasn't listed in the thing, but I got it anyway. It was a gravity feed uh, air paint gun with a hopper. And um, all of that, now this was all listed as not working. All of these tools were, were, you know, as is. A lot of them had the cords cut. um, But the guy did tell me that the bench grinder tries to come on and three of the grinders try to come on. A lot of the stuff couldn't be tested because there was no plugs, but you know me, I'm just going to tear this stuff apart and I'll be surprised if every single one of them doesn't work, you know? So that was the first deal. Uh, The second deal was called the quick freeze. If you guys have followed me personally long enough? I know we haven't talked about it on the podcast, but every July I go wild blueberry picking because where I live, wild blueberries grow. And every morning for breakfast, I have a, well, every other morning, I have a blueberry smoothie. And the main problem I've been having is when I go picking, normally I'll get on a good year about 30 quarts, but then my freezer is packed full of blueberries and you barely can't fit anything else in there. So every year, I, like it gets right up to blueberry season, I'm like, oh man, I should have got a, like one of those chest freezers, you know, not a giant one, just a little freezer to put the blueberries in. So I'm getting the jump on it. So I've been looking for a freezer for the last couple of weeks and it's it's been going back and forth and back and forth. And they're not they're not cheap. Even used, they're not cheap. And I almost had one for free, but someone else beat me to it. And then Wednesday, I see this one come up, and it's not far away. It's like 30 minutes away from me, which was the closest one I'd seen so far. And the lady has it up for $130. Her name is Lynn. And I said, um, Lynn, is this, are you firm on the price? And she said, no, what were you thinking? And I said, Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. I just need these for blueberries. I, I pick blueberries every July, and I just, I just need a freezer to put them in. You know, my budget seventy five bucks. If that's too low for you, I, I understand. And she goes, No, that's good. Come get it. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I got to examine it a little closer when I got there. It's a year and a half old, so it's pretty much brand new. Um, they sell it at Lowe's for one hundred ninety four dollars. And the only reason that they were getting rid of it was because um, the woman was moving her mother into a home and they had no use for it anymore because she was going to be in assisted living. So that was that. And uh, and then I spent the rest of the day trying to get it up into the back bedroom, which was the only place that I could put it.
1: I like that approach. I've used that a bunch of times where you're just like, hey, I'll give you 50 bucks for this $300 item. Uh, I understand if that's too low. You'll probably get 300. But if you want 50 bucks, I got it you know, and you just lay it out and you don't insult them. And, uh, sometimes you get it. Yeah.
0: I was, I was very nice about it, you know? So, and I, I like it was, it was a 50, 50 shot. She was either going to take it or she wasn't. And every, every other one that I'd seen on marketplace was averaging 150 to $300 for a used freezer. So, um, and actually, this one was bigger than what I wanted. This was a five cubic foot freezer. I only wanted a three and a half, so double bonus. And then we get to the round robin Easter deal. I had several pickups on Saturday, uh, the first of which was a four, a vintage Fordham flex shaft with a pencil handpiece, a tin of burrs, a pin vise, and a foot pedal, paired with a central machinery flex shaft tool with an extra flex shaft cable who I bought from Nevin. And uh, Nevin wanted 50 bucks. And I said, how about 40 bucks? And he's like, yeah, okay. So I got it for 40. Uh, then next, uh, I stopped by. This is all down south of me. So each thing was like an hour away from the next thing. I stopped by and I picked up for myself a vintage Thor sander angle grinder from this guy named john and if you know me i love thor tools he wanted 35 bucks and i said hey how about 25 bucks he goes that sounds fine come get it so i got it for 25 bucks then we come to the 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 stickler of the group uh there was this old dude named james and he was selling a companion drill press and if you remember from a couple weeks back I already have a companion drill press that I bought for $15, but it was missing the motor mount plate. Well, this one was missing even more parts than the one I already bought. However, it had the motor mount plate, and this guy wanted 20 bucks for it. And I said, hey, man, this is missing a lot of parts. How about 10 bucks?" And he goes, oh, somebody else is interested in it. I said, oh, all right, well, uh, let me know if they take it. And I waited a couple weeks. And then nothing. I didn't hear anything. And I'm like, did the guy take it? And he goes, no. And I said, how about 10 bucks? He goes, nah, 20. I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) Fine, I'll take it for 20. So I I go down there, and this guy is, he's got a two car garage that's also like even wider because it's got a man door. I go in there, and this is like a manicured shop. Like he had a tablecloth on his workbench. He had everything was like pristine, looked like it had been freshly dusted. I walk in there and he's like, oh, try not to pay any attention to the mess in here. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like this place looked pristine. He had space in the middle of the garage. There was only tools around the outside. There was a workbench to one side. And I'm like, oh my God. It's like, I'm like, James, this place looks like a museum compared to my workshop. And he goes, oh, well, you know, um, I like to buy drill presses and fix them up and, and then sometimes I sell them, and James is in like his probably his late sixties, maybe early seventies. And I said, I said, oh, well, I do the same thing. And then he shows me the companion drill press that he bought, and then the one that I'm getting from him, he robbed all these parts off of to to fix the other one. And uh, and I said, where did you get this one that you're selling me? And he goes, oh, I got that about two hours north of here. So he he was actually he bought it up near like where i live and then took it back down i'm like how long ago did you buy this and he goes about a year and a half ago oh no i'm like oh oh well that's way longer i said i just bought a companion drill press about three weeks ago like not far from here and he goes really yeah then he starts telling me like stories about his stuff so like i feel like you know he's he's turned into the older version of me and he starts telling me, "Oh yeah, I got this drill press for like 130. I thought that was a really good deal. And that one I got for 120. I thought, and I'm looking at this and these are all small tiny drill presses and I'm like, yeah, I pay like 20 bucks for each one of these things." So it's like every deal he thought he got was like not a good deal at all. Like I yeah. like he's for what he's paying for one drill press, I get like three drill presses. But I just, you know, I just kept humoring him, and, and eventually I'm like, uh, I'm like James, I got, I got other people waiting on me. I, I, I gotta go. I gotta, run. I gotta run. So then I, I grab the drill press and I'm walking out the door, and he follows me out to my truck. <laughs> anyway, he was a nice old dude, but um, he, he was, he, he was lonely. He, he's, uh, he, he told me he started confessing. Oh, my wife passed away, and it's just me now. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome, man. I'm like, buy some more drill presses, you know. Good, good on you, man.
2: <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, I do the same thing. I mean, it's me and Roxy here at the shop. So, you know, be warned. If you come visit me here in the shop, uh, it's likely I'll still be talking to you as you're driving down the road, you know, trying to trying to leave the shop. <laughs> I'll, I'll be walking alongside your car.
0: He, he also had a dog, but his dog was locked in the house. It just was like barking nonstop, even like from where we were. I heard the dog. Um, but anyway... Then we get to um, the last pickup, which had a, had a, was the simplest of all of them, but had a kind of a special made me laugh moment. Uh, this guy, I had him saved for probably months. He was selling 55-gallon HDPE drums. The guy's name was Roger, and he worked on a farm. And it was one of these kind of big complexes. They had probably like eight buildings. And so I, I pull down there and, you know, they, I picked out two nice blue ones and I'm talking to him. I'm telling him, I'm like, yeah, you know, you're my last stop. I've been going around picking up stuff. And he goes, oh, you're pulling a round robin. <laughs> And i said yes i am and he goes he goes yeah we, i i know it i used to be a wrestler and that's my coach used to call it. when you do a round robin when you go from one person to the next wrestling and i said yeah i call it a round robin too and uh and i said i've been trying to get down here for a while he goes oh man you, you come anytime you want i've always got barrels and i said that's that's good to know in case i need any more and uh and you know i loaded <laughs> everything up and then i, I, I left um however I didn't tell you before I picked up the very first thing, I found something for free on the road. I'm always on the lookout for vacuums. And before I made it to the very first pickup, I found a Eureka vacuum with a HEPA filter and an extra drive belt on the, on the handle. So it's like, and I, I got it home, cleaned the whole thing up. Uh, it ran. It was not clogged up. There was nothing broken on it. It was just dirty. And so now I got a new vacuum.
1: Nice.
0: Sounds like you cleaned up. I I sure did, Tom. I cleaned up good. Were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in. Maybe we'll read it on air. All right. It's time for personal history. Tom, what's your personal history
1: with 3D printing? So my buddy, Chris, he bought a 3D printer. It feels like a long time ago. Especially in the world of consumer 3D printers. Let me think for one moment. Probably 10 years ago, which is like forever ago, right? Tanda, you probably bought yours 40 years ago before anybody invented them. I understand that. Uh, That's why you're on the show, honestly. But he bought a printer probably 10 years ago, and I thought it was just the coolest thing. I mean, I had seen them or heard of them before that, um, but I did not. I lack the, the expertise to get into something like that without someone holding my hand. And a few years pass, and I go, hey man, I gotta get one of these. Like, what am I doing? What am I looking at? And he literally sent me a link to a Monoprice Select Version 2, something like that. It was a very popular model for several years by Monoprice, which is the manufacturer. It's a Chinese clone of, of an FDM printer. And... I used that for several years. He he literally, like, set up everything for me. I did nothing. He got it to print. He showed me, like, all the procedures to print. And I did not deviate from what he showed me <laughs> for years. Like, two or three years, maybe. Because I just... Um, it did a thing that I wanted it to do, and I just didn't feel the need to do anything else. And then... What was it doing, Tom? Like, what were you what were you printing early on? Sure, just PLA at like 0.3 millimeter layer height, and it was relatively slow. But I didn't know that at the time. You know, I just I just took it for what it was. It worked pretty flawlessly. I didn't have much trouble with it, so I just kept going with that. I was like, why would I screw this up? Then maybe a year, probably it's been two years now, forgot to add the COVID year, um, about two years ago, a friend of a friend was looking to get a prototype of something. He he connected us and I said, sure, I can do that. It's probably not that expensive. And then I learned that he told my friend that he was getting quotes for thousands of dollars. So my price went up <laughs> real quick. Now, there was some hassle factor, he wanted me to sign an NDA, so I can't even tell you what I printed, but let's just say it was a baseball, like a hollow baseball, is effectively what I was printing, and he wanted, you know, a dozen of them, and he sent me the files that he had paid some other company to create, and I looked at him, I'm like, this doesn't even look like the thing you want, like, it it was functional, but it didn't resemble the product he, he was creating. So without his permission, I spent like three hours on Fusion 360 and I redrew the whole thing. And I put, you know, I put a, let's just say I put a decal in it that res, that like gave you an idea of what category this product was in. And I sent him a screenshot of what I drew and said, hey, th- I can get it to this point in about three hours. I'm going to rework it. Uh, Let me know if you want me to do that. My price is $125 an hour. I had never charged for 3D um, design before. I had never charged for 3D printing before. So I think the total bill was like $1,625, $1,600. I dove in real hard into my printer, and I got my printer to print the thing that... A baseball is a hard thing to print, right? It's a sphere, Um so, like, printing the dome part without, like, filling the thing with filament is a difficult task. But I pulled that off. I'm trying to be vague. Um, but he, he basically funded my 3D printing habit now. But wait, there's more. So that's done. Uh, maybe a year ago, about a year ago, I decided to draw and print these doors for an old tube TV. The tube TV is a sharp. It's a, sh- a sharp brand, but in the bottom of it, you remember how TVs used to have VCRs in them. Mm-hmm. All right. So this one has a Nintendo, like a, a legitimate, collaboration between nintendo and sharp and they put a nintendo in the bottom of this sharp tv just like a vcr would go and those little stupid plastic doors that you click and they're not stupid i love them they should bring them back uh you click it and it flaps out and then you have like the little controls under it well this this tv has two of those one for the tv and all the like color and brightness and all that crap and then one for the actual nintendo door Um, which flaps the opposite way of a standard Nintendo. Like a normal Nintendo flips up. This one was a bigger door, and it flips down. So this TV is a huge collectible. There's only a, a few hundred of them in existence. And it was a very unsuccessful product, I should say that, which means it's a huge collectible. And I happen to have one of these things. I found it at a flea market in Rochester, New York, And I think I paid $200 for this thing, and it didn't even work. But I just knew what it was, and I went, I'm never going to see this again, so I might as well buy it. And a few years later uh, is where I am with the story. I model these doors and print them, and I am selling them for $50 and $65, so $115 for the pair of doors. And the reason they're priced so high for a 3D printed object is that I put, I bought a $600 printer, I put at least 15 hours into the design because they're freaking perfect. Like, they are flawless. Other than the texture and the color, they are flawless. Like, they line up so perfectly, they actually click into where the door goes. Like, they're, I, it's the best thing I ever drew. So uh, the other factor is I was only going to be able to sell a few dozen of these ever, right? So I needed to make all my money back on like 30 doors. So that's kind of where this number came from. And people in this community, they don't, they care about money, but they, if it's a good reproduction, like reproduction is a category. Of collectibles, And if it's a good reproduction, they'll pay for it. And that's what I found out. And they really bailed me out. I, I did this blindly. I invested all this time and money. And I think I've sold probably, f- you know, probably 60 to 70 individual doors. Cause some people need one or the other. One guy bought three sets. He's got three TVs. Like that's crazy.
0: That's a collector.
1: So those are my 3d printing highlights since, you know, I've learned a lot about 3d printing, only FDM printing, versus resin or other things, but I've learned a lot. Um, but I I kind of I kind of fight the the hobbyist a little bit. You know, the guy that does three D printing in general on Facebook or on forums, it's all they do, and they talk. There there are so many gatekeepers in every community, but um, like half the time I'm blowing dust off of my print bread and hitting print like two seconds later. Because I don't care, and it really is not that critical. Like, you just don't need to be that precise with it all the time. So, I find it interesting that you you went from
0: the original printer that you had to as soon as you realized that this this other thing, this other opportunity was
1: available, you upgraded. I had to. So you realized that you you needed to upgrade. I needed a bigger bed. The door... One of the doors is like 310 millimeters long, and my print bed was 200 millimeters uh, in one direction, and even on an angle, it did not fit. I don't know what the hypotenuse of two and two is. It's something, though. I guarantee that. So I needed a bigger print bed um, to, to print that door, which is why I was forced to buy a... I mean, the cheapest 300 millimeter bed is, is the one we all have, or... Slightly different versions, but uh, that's um, the Creality CR10 and its variants. So, I
0: the thing that I think this is a great example of is a lot of people, not even just in 3D printing, but just in anything in general, they're talking about like getting tools, and you know, they they don't know what tools to get, and so on and so forth. But when you have a thing that you need to make, the tools that you need become obvious. Right. And so you you knew from prior experience, the one you had wasn't going to work. I need to make this thing. I need to find the tool that can make that thing. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with woodworking or metalworking or anything. When you know what you need to make, it's just a it's a, it's like a list of steps. How do I get from here to there? What what tools are going to get me to that point? So. Yeah. But yeah, I remember that. I remember watching all your stories as you were iterating and getting everything and testing it and going back and forth. So, you know, I I can only hope to find a, something like that that people actually want to buy.
1: It really opened my eyes to like these niche markets and you just have to find them.
0: Absolutely.
2: I think another takeaway from that is that um in the maker community, we couple skills together to create things. So, we take things that we've already learned or skill sets that we're building and kind of mash them up. And I think sometimes in the maker community, we forget, we see something like 3D printers and we think there's no market for it. Anyone can go buy a 3D printer and start printing. But you're competing against people who don't have the initiative to redraw it in Fusion 360. Or the same thing in the early days with, you know, when I was, if you're doing any kind of graphical, you know. Cutting something with a laser or a CNC, there's a huge market for someone who can take somebody's kind of half-baked artwork, clean it up, get it ready, and then use the tool. It's not just getting the tool and turning it on and and going and finding a model and printing it.
1: If I can pile on to what you're saying, uh, for anybody listening, write down the ten things that you do and you take for granted. And that could be woodworking, that could be 3D printing, that could be any of these things that you're like, oh, do that for a buddy for free. Write those 10 things down. People don't know how to do those things. They don't know how. And they will pay you to do them. They will pay you really well to do them.
2: Right. And if you've put in the time that that it comes easy to you, or maybe it naturally comes easy to you, you then begin to discount it.
0: So I've talked about this, and all three of us have talked about this many times on this podcast. I take things apart for a living, and there are people that refuse to do that. They're terrified. I don't know what I'm finding there. I don't know what I'm going to find the first time I take something apart. I mean, it's I've I've I'd say like 90% of the things that I now sell, I've taken apart for the first time. I didn't know what was in there, and I'm like, oh, that was what was in there. How about that? It's dirty, and it's got gears, and it's got a motor. Let me clean all this stuff up. And then that's it, and it's good to go.
2: Well, and so often you clean it up and put it back together, or you find something that, if you're somewhat manic- mechanically inclined, is is just some little something that was wrong, and and then that turns into a profit.
0: Right. Well, that's that's exactly what I was trying to point out with um, all those tools that I got for the forty bucks. I don't even know how many tools. I don't know. It was like twenty tools. Uh, my bet is that every single one of them works. They're just they've been neglected. And that's it. So it's the same thing with the 3D printing. Uh, yes, it is widespread. It is very, very accessible. But that's also like saying computers are widespread and accessible. But how many people do you know with computers that can actually write code like Tanda does?
2: Right. Yeah. It's a and, and the other thing that couples nicely with the 3D printer is your other interests. Um, why isn't, you know, why aren't there a bunch of other people 3D printing doors for the Nintendo TV combination? Well, because there's so few of them that there aren't even no one's even aware that such a thing exists. And if you have some hobby that you enjoy doing or some collectible and you 3D print a, you know, companion piece for it or something, chances are you don't have a lot of competition because you're just so far off the radar.
1: Totally. So I did, I don't know if it's corporate espionage, but let's go with that. Uh, someone new entered the group of TV owners recently. Uh, I won't say anything yet until he actually puts out a video, but he's got like, oh, he's approaching half a million YouTube followers and he's in the Nintendo, he's in like the vintage game community, but he also makes stuff and he has a resin printer. And he was like, oh, I was, uh, he's like, do you share the files? I was like, I don't because I want everybody's doors to remain at that value. Right. Um, he's like, and he, I was uh, not afraid, but I think he was going to just recreate his own and, and make his own. And I was like, how do I prevent that? So I said, I'll send you a door. I'd love for you to tell people in your video where you can, where they can get them, you know? <laughs> so I sent him a door, which completely disincentivizes him from needing to draw one, which honestly, uh, anybody with sk- the skill in fusion can do, but you need a door. You need a real door to to copy. Anyways, I won't talk about the details. So that's kind of exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing that video come out.
0: that, that was a smart move, Tom. I think a lot of people wouldn't right? even think of that. Uh, that's uh.
1: It cost me nothing. It cost it cost me ten dollars. It was like five bucks to ship and maybe four dollars in plastic. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah, but instead, yeah, that's instead of grumbling about it or or being all upset that this guy's
1: ripping you off, you just you no.
2: <laughs> you just turned this situation around
1: well cuz i know he'd give the files out for free and they would be subpar not because only because he wouldn't have put the time into it cuz he just wanted something complete um not saying he couldn't do it i'm just saying but mine are so freaking good i almost want to protect it you know hey
0: you might still get like another 40 or 60 orders off of that you never know i mean
1: mm, yeah i get like one one a month which is awesome, which is cool.
0: Hey, one a month is enough to pay for a whole nother printer.
1: Yeah, almost, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's that's still pretty good. Tanda, what about you? Tell us about your personal history with 3D printing.
1: Well,
2: back in the 40s, there was this uh, sci-fi, <laughs> sci-fi writer that, uh, that I knew, and, uh, and he had come over to see my 3D printer and just, just loved it. I was using this magnetic um, particle technology. No. Um, the uh, my, my first experience with a 3D printer, it, it was truly magical because I had never heard of a 3D printer, didn't even know such a thing existed. So this was probably in the early 90s. And I was working on a contract for, for this recently formed conglomerate. It was Square D and a French company called Telemechanique, and Modicon, a whole bunch of companies were just recently purchased by Schneider Automation or Schneider Electric. And they were doing this joint project together. And I flew out to write some firmware for these these giant VFDs, like 200 horsepower wow. variable frequency drives that Square D was making. Or the controller could be on put on a bunch of different drives, but I had never seen a, a VFD that big. But anyway... But what we were making was this network adapter that would allow the Square D drives to operate on the the French industrial networking protocol, um, and Modicon had had made some of the original variants of this, and we were just talking like beginnings of the hardware, and they had you know a few chips on like a on an early prototype circuit board. And then there and then in the part of the conversation this guy just randomly goes, "Oh, look, the cases are here." And it's like, "You've you've you're just starting to make this project. It's not even on a real circuit board yet and you have injection molded cases?" And he's like, "No, these were 3D printed."
1: Whoa.
2: And I'm like, "3D printed?" And 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 I'm and I think he's like, you know, like <laughs> me. I, I think that I don't think such a thing exists. <laughs> I think that you know,
1: like he's walked off the set of Star Trek or something. Do you recall what you thought he meant when he said 3D printed? Like hearing that for the first time ever, did you think, oh, that's an interesting concept? Or did you go, what does that even mean? I think it was a little bit
2: of both. I mean, 3D printing is a pretty good name for 3D printing. And so it is, but I, I couldn't conceive of how it was printed because it looked like an injection molded you know, piece of plastic to me. That's awesome. And that was probably partly because, you know, I, I was totally unaware of the technology, so I wasn't inspecting it closely because I wasn't comparing it to anything else. It was just a plastic part.
0: I just wanted to chime in on the 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 thought that comes to mind when I first heard three D printing. Uh, and I I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ballpark it around two thousand twelve. I I believe when it before I saw the printer, but I heard of three D printing, I immediately the thing that jumped into my mind was something that was just floating in space that was being formed. Like I just imagined it, like just in in a in some sort of encapsulated area that was just like bit by bit was being built, and then when it was done, it just like fell to the ground, like that. that like a hologram. Well, sort of, yeah. I mean, it's just like you know, more like. You ever seen those um those laser light shows where you could see like the lasers in the dark and it's like yeah. writing on the walls and stuff right. like something like that where it's like the lasers are just building it in empty space and then all <laughs> of a sudden it's done and it's like oh look
2: a thing cool printed yeah. in
0: 3D Yeah that's that was in my mind that's that's what I thought was happening until I saw oh it's a little box that's that's not what I was imagining <laughs> Oh, no, yeah
2: what a letdown yeah. yeah so this was this was yeah. stereolithography And so then he explained, he's like, yeah, there's this company here in town and they've got, you know, it's like there's a vat of goo and they shoot it with a laser and it, you know, and it hardens the top layer and then it, you know, gradually forms this, this part. And, uh, and I, you know, of course I thought, man, that is so cool. I I think I went back to my hotel room. Um, I don't, uh, yeah, I I certainly had access to the internet and I went back to my hotel room and, and I logged on and, and looked it up. I'm like, I'm going to get me one of those and of course they were like $280,000 or something something ridiculous <laughs> for a stereolithography machine back then wow. that, that yeah. was probably the equivalent of like a a Formlabs printer in fact Formlabs printers are probably higher resolution than those were and better than those were but it was just so amazing you know and then and then i started kind of following the technology but of course it was way out of my reach and so it was a long time before I kind of got interested again and things kind of started coming down. Um, but then in 2000, maybe nine, I started really researching 3D printing as a way to grow my business because it was still at a point where the 3D printers that were on the market that you could buy as a hobbyist or as a kit or that people were making them were still having lots of problems and you couldn't, you know, there weren't like Lots of sources of filament and and also it was still an industry where if you had a 3D printer you could be a service bureau and and do 3D prints and and make some money at it and so I bought one of the um, early or not early but one of the fairly early Stratasys machines it was probably maybe Gen two or three but but fairly early and they you know speaking of Mr. Crump they just covered everything with patents and had for a long time. And I think that was part of the whole explosion of, of 3D printing where a lot of people think that it just came about, you know, 5, 10 years ago because that was when their patents started running out. But they had patents on enclosing the printer to keep the, the heat in. They had patents on their dual nozzle extruders. They had, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of patents. And so I bought the Stratasys machine, probably the the thing you know kind of parallel with Tom. I had a an inventor come to me that was making um, some patented plumbing fittings for the chemical industry, and I did a lot of his prototypes on the printer, and that helped a lot with paying for the printer, and also. Um, as part of the agreement, I got some stock in the company and a like a six thousand dollar proceed of SolidWorks. So it was a good it was a good deal and it was a good justification for my three D printer.
1: Uh, because I think this is a cool timestamp. Do you remember when you brought bought the printer? What year, and how much you paid for it? it yeah, this is a horrible early adopter timestamp.
2: This was probably in t- late two thousand nine, early two thousand ten. Time frame, so not that long ago, ten or eleven years ago, and there were much Relatively. there were much cheaper printers out there um, than what I bought. But I was buying it for my business to buy it and print. I wasn't buying it as a hobbyist. I was buying it as a machine that I knew would work. And I think I paid around sixteen thousand dollars. Wow! And that was that was the printer and some extra wow. extra spool feeders and a whole bunch of. Uh, a whole bunch of filament, and then also um, this printer prints in an ABS and has a water-soluble filament. So, well, water-soluble in air quotes. It's actually like a sodium hydroxide solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it, there's a heated bath that goes with that. And so you put the solution in this heated bath, and then if you print parts that have internal structures, like you were talking about, like the, like a sphere... You could print support structure inside of something like that, and as long as there was some little hole in it, then you could put it in this bath, and it would dissolve out all the support material. So you can print and then dissolve away the supports. Um, so it was like a full system to just hit the ground running with a 3D printing service bureau. But, uh, yeah, it was quite quite expensive.
0: There is somebody that is actually running a Kickstarter campaign right now. I see it advertised almost every time I go on Facebook. And that is the exact same thing that they're advertising, that it has two, it's dual extruder, and one mm-hmm. of the things is made of dissolvable filament.
2: Yeah, there you can buy them. And I've thought about uh, um, retrofitting mine. I think there would be a market for retrofit Stratasys Dimension series printers. There's There's a few different models in that line that people paid so much for, and they're so costly to keep operating compared to just buying a new Creality like I did recently, that I think if you just use the mechanism of it, because it's a very good mechanism. It's got a heated build chamber that's insulated. Um, the dual head extruder is kind of cool. It kicks back and forth. So the two heads sit over the exact same spot on the print bed. And then it, and then it rocks over and puts the other uh, nozzle over the top of the same place. And so it's got a lot of clever features and really good mechanics. It's really solid. So I think you could just strip strip it down and then just use all the mechanics and use a, a smooth stepper board or something and run G-code on it. And, and I think that there would be people, then it'd be, make sense to buy, buy those on Facebook Marketplace and eBay for a couple hundred bucks and retrofit them. Well, that would
0: be what I would call a captive market. You've got people that already own them that are probably in the same position that you're in, where they're unhappy because the prices have come down on everything. If you could offer them a way to make those useful again, I, I, you would have a huge customer base because you know Stratasys is selling these things for a long, long time.
2: Yeah, there are a bunch of them out there, and uh, and the the filament. There's one company selling a knockoff of the filament, but the filament has a, a e squared Prom in it um, in the cartridge or in the I don't know, in the holder that goes with the filament that you get. And once X amount of filament has run through that, you, you know, you have to buy another chipped cartridge. So the filament's really expensive. So yeah, I think the retrofit would be a, would be a good venture.
0: Well, I am the, I am the youngest of all the 3D printers here in in that I just got mine a couple weeks ago. Not even a couple weeks, a week and a half ago, I think. And I want to say that it's... Let's go back to 2012 when I first heard about 3D printing because that's kind of where everything started for me. When I first saw them, my immediate reaction was the detail on these things sucks. I saw multiple prints and everything was jagged and it looked clumsy and I was just like... I, I could see the potential that was there but it just looked... Like, it was not useful. Welcome to the club. You're doing it right. So, yeah, that's that's basically it, Tom. That, so, anyway, I saw them, and I'm like, okay, this needs time to grow. And I said, I don't know how much time, but—and I don't even—I didn't even know what I would use it for at that point, because in 2012, I was full-on in the film industry, and I didn't—I wasn't really, like, making and, and repairing things like the way that I'm doing now— So, uh, I thought, you know, possibly it could be used to make things uh, to help me in the film industry, like um, like camera jigs or or something that, you know, maybe a, a more expensive part that I couldn't afford, I could 3D print. But then we come into the second problem that I saw with the printers, which was the plastics that were available were not strong enough. They just didn't hold up. In comparison to metal parts, and so I was like, okay, that that's that's a break right there. It doesn't look good, and it's not structural, and I need something that's functional. So I had to wait for that to catch up, also, and then of course there was the price. Even in two thousand twelve, that wasn't the stuff I was looking at was not sixteen thousand dollars, but it was still like up over a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars for little tiny 3d printers small print beds and so in the back of my mind i'm like okay well i know these things exist let me just store that away and i'll keep an eye on it it wasn't until really the three of us got together and we started talking about it extensively Uh, i mean i i my i would say my most recent prior to us my most uh physical exposure to 3D printing was when I went to Maker Faire in 2018. I believe that was the year. And uh, I met uh, Joel Telling, the, the 3D printing nerd. And I had no idea who he was at the moment, you know, at the time. Uh, he had a, a uh, high five glove on. And every time you high fived him, he clicked a little number and it it increased the digit on his glove. So you could tell how many high fives he'd gotten that day. And there was he was there with some team of people, and they had one of those three D printers that was like, it was like three three uh, columns, and then the print head was on three arms, and it just the the columns moved the arms up and down, and then you could move it all over. Um, the only thing was this printer was like two and a half stories tall. It went from the bottom floor of this building up over the top floor, and they were. Printing like life size, a life size octopus for like hours. I I watched this, and then I think when that was done, they took it off, and then they printed like a, uh, like a like a nineteen fifties rocket, but it was like the size of a small child. It was it was gigantic, and so that was like that was kind of eye opening. Like I had no idea you could do prints that large, and these were super detailed, and uh, but of course you know you're looking at something like that. It's that that is probably like they custom built it, you know, it wasn't I don't think you could actually buy it like a kit that was a two-story tall printer. But anyway, that that kind of got my juices going as far as okay, we're catching up. And then when the three of us got together, um I saw especially following Tom's stuff with the renditions and prototyping of the Nintendo doors, I started to see that the details and things were really coming up. It was really starting to look like usable functional parts. And then the, the the final thing was, I started seeing ads and postings for carbon fiber filament, which I, I just saw an ad today that said, um, forget prototyping in metal, use carbon fiber reinforced nylon, it's lighter and stronger. Now, I, I don't know if that's true, but it's an equal comparison. That was the other thing that kind of put me like, okay, I need to get one. And I was actually ready to get a 3D printer last year when, you know, COVID hit and everybody's like, oh, you're all going to get checks. You know, the government's sending out checks and you're going to get money and we're going to help you out. And I didn't get (laughs) and then they decided we're going to come out with another check. I didn't get that either. And uh, I know there's supposed to be like a third one coming. I, I don't have high hopes. So. They, you know, somewhere it said, if you didn't get your check, uh, you have to report it with your, you know, your taxes. Let people know that you didn't get it. Because every time I checked, I called the phone numbers. I checked online. And it kept telling me the same thing. Um, We can't verify your account or you're not eligible. We're working on it. That was what it said every time. And if you call the phone number, it just tells you, oh, yeah, they're running late on checks. I didn't get anything. So I would have had it a year ago. Um, but they, they, didn't, they didn't send me any money. So anyway, uh, the thing that facilitated, um, besides the constant badgering from Tom, that uh, I get a 3D printer <laughs> was uh, I got uh, one of my old film clients uh, whose name is Tim Griffith. Uh, he's out of Brooklyn, New York, and he's an art benefactor. And I've been working with him probably since around 2010. And he buys art but he loves the art world so much that he hires me. We would shoot these mini documentaries on artists that were pretty much all in and around New York, uh, including an art gallery or two, and then we'd post it up on YouTube and so on and so forth. So anyway, he had bought up a collection of 10,000 photographs from this photographer that uh, was down in Guyana in the 1970s, and uh, uh, Mr. Griffith is from Guyana. He's Guyanese. He moved here in the '80s, and so he's now he's been trying to find like this sort of like this historical um, photographic evidence of his homeland that that no one had. And then he ran into this guy. So he bought this whole catalog, and I went down there in February, and we interviewed him, and you know he talked about his time there and the photographs and so on. So anyway, that enabled me. That gave me the finances. I should say the extra finances, uh, to be able to purchase a 3d printer. Otherwise I I still would not have one. Uh, my budget is very tight from month to month in case you guys have not figured out. So a little bit of extra money goes a long way in the, in the junkosphere. And, um, other than murdering two owls, and then you finally getting a third one off of the print bed, I haven't actually printed anything else. I did these little test print owls. However, Tom gave me some some good advice. I said, you know, I can't get these things off the print bed. And he's like, use a glue stick. And my exact response was, isn't that going to make it stick more? That seems counterintuitive. Nope. But no, I I used the glue stick. I went to the dollar store. I got four for a dollar. And it, it came off. You know, it was, it was, it was still on there, but it it popped off much easier than the other two. I have been, the reason that I got the 3D printer is I want to design my own custom bench vices. I have, I have one that I know for sure is going to go like hotcakes because, uh, me and Ben Wilson, Ben makes KC came up with this idea. I don't know if I came up with it first or he came up with it, but we were having the same conversation, and as soon as we landed on it, the both of us were like, "Oh man, everybody's gonna want one of those," and uh, it's it's one of those things. So I've I've gotta I've gotta get on it. But that's gonna be like a whole process, and including sending you know molds to a foundry and having the cast iron port and all that. So that's in the future. But what I've been working on is going back to my roots as a filmmaker. I still shoot all of my YouTube videos with an iPhone, and I think. You know, there's a good amount of people out there, especially the younger generation that also are using their iPhone to shoot. I am in the middle of designing a cell phone video rig, which is basically like a frame that will allow you to put the cell phone in it. Uh, it's going to have handles so that you can hold it with two hands. So it's a lot more steady than holding a small phone. And it'll have a two hot shoes for a microphone and a light. And that's relatively standard. This is not an original idea. There are other people that make these video rigs. However, I have some addition, some, some upgrades that I'm going not gonna tell you guys, you had to wait and see. But I've got some upgrades that will make this more desirable um, for people, uh, more usable, more user friendly. And uh, a matter of fact, I just got in um, a set of uh, quarter 20 brass inserts yesterday which is what I'm going to be using so that, you can, so that you can attach it to a tripod or if you want to use a, a cam or something like that where you have a weight that keeps it from wobbling. Um, and I have i don't know. I, I'm very excited about that. I hope, I hope that it'll do well. It'll be like maybe like Tom. Maybe I'll sell like 20 of them at once and then I'll get one a month for the next 100 years, something like that. I don't know. But yeah. That, yeah
1: then you just need 10 of those. Yeah. You just need like 10 of those ideas. Yeah. And you're good.
0: That's right. it. So that's it for me. I, I really have like not much experience, but it has it has altered my thinking. And, uh, and and the other thing that I found, I guess since I'm I'm sort of the new kid here, the thing that is is coming to me as far as like as I'm going through this process, there's a there's a ton of resources for 3D printing that make it I don't want to say highly accessible. I keep running into these websites when I'm looking things up and they're like they are they're showing you things you can print and they're like do you want to print this click here free and then you know you click on it and it's like would you like to donate to the creator but you don't have to you can download the things for free and there is a multitude of things while i was researching the history on this i found i don't remember which website it was but it's it said here's 50 cool prints and i started scrolling through i think i got through like maybe 20 of them And it was, uh, they weren't all like on that website. They were just listed there. But then like some of the things were on Thingiverse. Some of them were on the Prusa website. Some of them were on, there was another one called like Grunt or Crux or something like that Mm -hmm. uh, that I'd never heard of. And And all of them are the exact same thing. You click on it, it takes you to the site and you just download it for free. I don't know of any other thing you can get into where that's possible.
1: Like, I think the closest- yeah, like woodworking plans. There's not that, no, I'm saying there's not that many free woodworking plans, and if they are free, they're usually mediocre.
0: Yeah, but it, even the woodworking plans, even if you can get those, you still have to build it.
1: Yeah. You well, know, you, not, it's
0: not like you get the plans and then then the table saw does it for you. You still have to do everything. The printer does everything. You know so it's,
2: it's... I, yeah I don't know if this is if this is true or if I'm uh, just starting a conspiracy theory which I think could be fun but uh, let's start one I'm on board okay but uh, you know because a 3d model is a 3d model and can be you know massaged into a STL a stereolithography file and fed to a 3d printer there are many things that you can just find on McMaster car or you know, wherever, and almost all vendors that are trying to stay up with the times and be competitive now have 3D models of anything you can buy in terms of hardware on their site. Mm -hmm. And so if you go find some little widget on McMaster Car, you can download the CAD from it. In fact, from Fusion 360, you don't even have to leave Fusion 360 to download McMaster models. But I seem to have noticed that a lot of little plastic things on sites like that no longer have a 3D model available. Really? Um, you know, I mean nuts and bolts and and slides and hardware and and things made out of metal. Um, but a couple of times I've gone to look for a model of some little plastic thing, not not because I want to 3D print it, but because I want to include it in a larger model and there's no model available. And so my conspiracy theory is if it's something that would be equally as good just 3D printed and they make the 3D model available; they stop selling them <laughs> because everybody, everybody, either has a 3D printer or knows someone who has a 3D printer if they're making things. And if you can just download the model, and it's you know a little 3D printed like like for example, if there was a place you could buy the Nintendo door, and they offered a 3D model so you could see if it was the right size, yeah, you wouldn't buy it; you just download it and print it. No, you know. So I think that there may be places that are intentionally limiting. Putting, making 3D models available of their parts so that you can build them into your assembly um, just because people will just 3D print them.
0: I believe that. Yeah, that sounds totally logical. It does.
2: It's annoying because if you're building a model to manufacture or to make something and you want to, you know, for dimensions or for fit checks, you want to include that in your... Uh, I mean, I guess I'm just spoiled. I mean, if you want to include that in your model in Fusion 360, now you have to load, download the drawing and actually build the model from the drawing yourself instead of just like, boom, it's in your model.
1: You know, you think they would like give you a model, but just like eliminate a bunch of the features so that you still get the like physical size and shape and dimensions that you can work off of, but they just like eliminate... <laughs> just, it's just like a wireframe <laughs> Or, or yeah. like they fill it in, you know. Maybe there's like holes and threads, and right. they just fill it in so they give you like a a solid object that you can at least um, reference, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it becomes more work, though, you know. In some cases, to to do that. No, sure, but honestly, they should just. They should just give it up. They should just give up the files and just deal with the, the fallout because that's where it's going anyway. So what's the point? Yeah, right. In the, a, way? At
2: some point you just have to say, you know, these aren't marketable items anymore. People can just 3D print them. Or we'll, or or true, or, but or, or for this item that's easily 3D printable, you have to pay 50 cents to download the
1: model. But, but even like just let people have it because if you're 3D printing the, the little thing that they're giving away for free basically... You're not gonna print fifty thousand of them. You're gonna buy fifty thousand, but you're gonna print twenty. Right. Maybe you're gonna print fifty thousand. Maybe I don't know you as well as I thought I did.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm building a farm out behind a print farm out, (laughs) out behind the shop.
0: I'm willing to bet that whatever it is that you're trying to find, like that that doesn't that they're not offering on McMaster Car someone else has that file online somewhere
2: oh yeah probably if you just if you just keep yeah. hunting it hunting it down but usually it's something simple by the time you go out trying to find it and then verifying that it actually matches what you're going to order you could have modeled it well second darn i think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial energy and stuff Hi y'all, this is Edna down at Johnson's Hardware. If you're caught up in the 3D printing craze, then you know the biggest problem is waiting and waiting for your 3D prints to finish. Well, we have a kit here at Johnson's Hardware that provides a solution. If you keep this kit near your 3D printer, next to your glue sticks and your little scraper knife to get things off, then you're all set. It contains 80 tablets of time lapse and all, and a shot glass. Just take one tablet for every six hours of printing time and a quick shot of any beverage of your choice in the blink of an eye you will wake up and your print will be finished time lapse and all comes in two flavors time lapse and all PLA and time lapse and all ABS if you want to come in today we're running a special on our time lapse doll you'll find it in our veterinary section it's on the shelf between the horse tranquilizers and the fly spray you'll find us at patreon.com forward slash makerskills
0: Put well, it, I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right, it's time for crossbreeding. Tom, what skill goes well with 3D printing?
1: I think you know what I'm going to say. Have we not met the time limit? Is design back on the table?
0: Episode 30. Tom, episode 30 oh. is design. I've, I've said it like I've said it every week for what like What episode is this? 10? 10, 10 11. 10, 11, 12? This is is episode 26.
1: All right. I will modify CAD design, which is redundant computer-aided design. I learned how to use CAD because I bought a 3D printer. Now, you can buy a 3D printer and not know how to draw on a computer, and that's fine. You will have a lot of fun with a printer, but there is no comparison to being able to draw your own things and print them out. That is an acceptable skill set. Full stop. Tanda, what you got?
2: Man, that—that's what I was going to say. So I'm going to have to go with my alternate, which is uh, rationalizing. I—I <laughs> I, I think that uh, you have to—you uh, have to be a really good rationalizer if you're going to get a 3D printer. Because uh, I think all of us that have a 3D printer had something that we wanted to print that could only be our—you know it was our unique design that had to be 3D printed. Um, because when it comes right down to it, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to make anything that already exists cheaper by 3d printing it for the most part. Um, and, uh, and there's, you know, print qualities coming up and everything, but you're probably not going to make it as good 3d printing it as what you could buy. And you're probably not going to be able to, uh, um, (laughs) you know, save money by not buying this item and instead buying a 3D printer and printing it. And so I, I think the first skill set you really have to employ um, in the 3D printing world is, is some good rationalization of, of why you're gonna, you know how you're going to pay off your 3D printer or how valuable it's going to be to replace parts for your dishwasher. that if you just Googled <laughs> it, you could probably buy them from an online appliance store for 38 cents.
0: Sidebar. Tom. Yeah, you you full on know that rationalization is not a skill, right? Sure it is. I don't know what you're talking about. Just just agree with me. It's it's not a skill. Okay. Yeah, we're not. I'm not going to challenge her because we're running late. So I just wanted. To, I just wanted to <laughs> acknowledge the fact that it's not a skill, <laughs> I, I, and so we can move on because I, I I can't. We're we're already at an hour and a half, and we got we got. I know. Oh my god. We'll let it slide. Yes, yeah, we'll let it slide. That's that's it. So all right. All right, she's back, Tanda. That was an awesome answer. That was fantastic. It's Great a, answer, uh, the, the, good, answer, yeah, good thank answer. Thank you, thank you. Probably yeah. one of the best I've, I've heard. So yeah, um, I've
2: been I've been work I've been honing my rationalization skills for for a while.
0: Yeah. I, I could tell. Yeah. It shows. It shows. It's uh, it's very prominent in, in everything you do. So
1: um, two seconds. So I we lost the toilet bowl nut. The nut on the bottom of the toilet bowl that holds the seat on and it was like a Saturday night, and I'm like, I can't get one of these for like two days in my town. You know, I can't go to the store until Monday. And within 30 minutes, I had drawn it up, uh, maybe 45 minutes, drawn it up, printed it out, and installed it under the toilet, and that was faster and cheaper than any other option. So I just want to pile on your rationalization there.
2: You know, I used to tell people that, uh, you know this whole this whole justification of 3D printing being something you just have in your house and when some little part breaks um you can just you can just print out a piece and repair it i used to make fun of that for years after i bought my 3D printer <laughs> and then a and then a guy walked through the door with a little plastic part out of his dishwasher that kept breaking and he needed 10 of them and i modeled it and i yeah. and i printed him a whole bag of them um, to replace all of the broken ones in his dishwasher, and it totally defeated my uh, my making fun of that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: I
0: love it, PJ. Well, you two have both been talking about my my skill for crossbreeding, which is repair. Repair is the perfect skill to go with 3D printing because you know you need parts. So that's it.
1: Parts yeah. break. You tanda tanda t- sidebar. Yeah. I thought repair was an activity, not a, not a skill.
2: Yeah, I, I I would have to agree. I mean, there's repairing, which is which is kind of a skill. I mean, it's something that you could you could develop, but just but yeah. just repair. Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't I don't think that yeah. that cuts
1: it. You know what? Though we're run, we're running long, so let's just let it slide. Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. Okay. Hey, PJ, great answer. I like repairs. A great answer. Good job, man. Thank you. Thank you. I I worked real hard on that one.
2: It, it shows it was very good
1: (laughs) it shows yeah
2: hey
0: i see something shiny let's go get it so while i got lots of good old stuff tanda and tom got some good new stuff what would you get today or this week tom
1: so i just got a hot stapler
0: is that like a plastic a plastic welder
1: yeah it's a plastic welder we were talking about that like ten episodes back,
2: but it inserts
1: the the little metal ties as well. Yeah, so if you go to Amazon, you don't have to buy from Amazon, but if you go to Amazon and you type in hot welder, on my screen it's the fifth item. It's a red gun with metal sticking out of the end, and it comes in a little kit. It gives you four different types of staples, uh, and they're not you know staples like you're thinking, but they're they're thin wire. And they all have a unique shape. So, like, one, the one I used most today was just, like, a, a multiple S. So, it was, like, a wavy line. And then there's two probes or prongs that bend away from the S shape. And those prongs go into the gun. Uh, the gun has two prongs. Mm-hmm. I'm using prong a lot. It has two probe things that the stapler go, the staple goes into. And when you pull the trigger, the staple heats up. It will get red hot if you let it. You don't need to let it. But then you can you can push this staple into the plastic. You give it a little twist just to lock it in. And then you let go of the trigger. It cools really quickly. And then it, and it can fix a crack in plastic. Very cool.
2: So it's like a waffle nail with a couple of little uh, contact wires on it. So you can hook it up to something and heat it up.
1: Yes, but not a long nail like a like a waffle nail, yes, but just in a wire form, right? Just to clarify.
2: Oh, okay. So it has it doesn't have a lot of depth to it.
1: None. It's a paper clip. It's just a wire. It's a wire. Okay. It's literally it's it's literally a paper clip bent into a funny shape. Uh, each end of the paper clip goes into this gun and 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 it, it heats up. You just you stick it to the plastic. It's going to melt right through and you give it a little twist to really like lock it in. Otherwise, you could pull it right back out. What did you get that for, Tom? Uh, Forty bucks. That's not what you meant, though. No, I bought it because um, <laughs> I don't know if it was a year ago. I have these plastic sheds. They're really big, like eight foot cubes, uh, rubber made sheds, and I buy them used because they're like two hundred bucks instead of eight hundred dollars. And one of them, the door was just so messed up one of the doors, there's two doors. One of the doors was so messed up and I had taken my soldering iron and just like squished plastic together along all these cracks. I mean, there's just a mess of cracks on this door, but you can't replace the door. It's just, it's plastic. There's nothing else like it. So I did that and it kind of works, but since I fixed it, a lot of those cracks are re cracking because I'm using it. I'm pulling the handle and the handle re cracks, but Today, I tested it out on the tractor I bought two weeks ago. The hood, the, the roof, the hood, the hood, the hood of the tractor has four screws at the bottom that connects to the pivot hinge, and the all four were broken off. Uh, so like a shard of plastic wrapped around where the screw goes f- times four were all just off, and they were all there, so nothing was missing, which was awesome, and I was able to go inside the hood, weld all of those things back together, reattach the hood, and it works really well. And I'd be surprised if it broke again. I really would. Uh, I'd be surprised if it broke there again. I think it's stronger than the original plastic, possibly.
0: That's, that's a very good, that, that's a good use the, for, the, for the tractor. I was going to say for the door, Like if I was in your position and the door had cracked and it was plastic, I I know those are like hollow doors. What I would have done is I would have taken like a piece of pallet wood, like a thin piece of pallet wood, or even a piece of like a eighth inch plywood, and I would have just cut it along like where the crack is, probably taken like some silicon and uh, put some silicon down, put the board over top of it, and then just um, drilled some holes through the wood and the plastic and then just sunk a bunch of screws from the top to the bottom on both sides of the crack. And then that would have reinforced it and kind of like sealed it at the same time uh, to, to mm-hmm. give you some more structural, you know, rigidity. Um, however, the plastic welder does the same thing and it looks a lot cleaner.
2: Well, and your approach is it's... like a horrible way to rationalize getting a plastic welder.
1: Yeah, why would you need a plastic welder if you did it your way? I mean, there's,
2: yeah. Then you, then you would be like, "Well, I don't even need a plastic welder."
1: Wait, whoa, Tanner, hold on. Uh, PJ, with your method, is there another tool I would have had to buy?
0: Maybe that's, maybe that's what he's. Oh no, about. no, we'd have had to buy some silicon, but that's about it.
1: Oh, okay. So what you're saying is my way is way better because I had to buy a tool.
2: Uh, yeah. So there's
1: no no rationalization at all there. Right. Yeah. yeah. This
0: totally should not do my, okay, my my suggestion at all.
1: Very cool. I always go with buy a tool first and ask questions later.
0: Exactly, exactly. Tanda, I know that that you uh, you got something that you said was was kind of new.
2: Oh, I've got a, a new something new to me, and it's not really well. It's kind of a maker thing. I, I got a new truck.
0: Oh, woohoo!
2: So I can I can I can haul makery makery things. I got a, I got a 20, 2013 truck, which is much newer than my two thousand truck, I still have my two thousand truck but but now I have a truck that
1: breaks down less often hopefully that's, that's awesome yeah. I would say it's maybe the most important tool that you have I agree it's a
2: it it I've had a few periods in my life where I only had a car and I and of course I used it as a truck because you have to if you're gonna get anything done and it's just really nice to have a truck if you're the maker type and you're picking up metal and stuff. I can remember driving up to the, uh, like metal supermarkets when we had one in town and, and the guy being like, uh, this was one during a, a car period. And, uh, he was like, Oh, let me help you out there with this. Uh, and I had these like six foot pieces of metal or something. And we walk out and at the time I had an a four an Audi a four and it had one of it had one of those. Uh, it had one of the. Oh, there was like a hole between the back seats with this like uh, nylon boot for putting your skis in. And I'm like, yeah, I've got a place right, you know, perfect for those. Um, and the guy's just shaking his head, like uh, this is this is ridiculous. No one comes to to pick up metal. And I'm like, this is it's my truck. I, it's my four wheel drive. You know, I, I, I forgot
0: to tell you when I was telling you the story about James, the guy I got the companion drill press from. When he saw my truck, he was like, "Oh man, that's a nice truck." He goes, I, "He had two cars," and and I, I said, um, "We got on the topic of vehicles and stuff," and he goes, "He goes, oh yeah, I, I probably should get a truck." And and what it came down to was like everything that was in his shop, he had small drill presses, he had like a, a mini band saw. Everything was tiny because he he couldn't move anything big. He he could only fit small things in his car.
1: I recently, uh, fixed that in my life. I bought a trailer and it's great. I can haul anything. I, uh, I, I don't own a truck though, but I I do have the trailer.
0: I'm willing to bet money that there's a truck coming.
1: Uh, I, I look, they're so expensive. They're so expensive. And, like, the old ones have such high mileage, and they're still so expensive. But I got a few trucks around me that I can steal whenever I need, and I have a trailer to offer them in return for borrowing their truck. I think it'll work out okay for a while. I don't know how it is where you are, Tom, but up here in Pennsylvania,
0: I see trucks regularly on Facebook Marketplace, and they're not new trucks. I'd, let's say they're between 2007 and 2014, and they're like, fifteen hundred bucks, twelve hundred bucks, eight hundred bucks. And I'm looking. at them like, oh, that'll that's, work. That's that's not bad. That's pretty good. You know. I mean, they are. Some of them are high mileage, but still, you're getting a truck for eight hundred dollars. I mean, yeah, maybe you got to fix a couple things,
2: but you, you try to buy a new truck. You're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, it's ridiculous. It's I mean, new, a new truck these days costs more than the first house I bought. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. That's it's
0: ridiculous. You can buy a Porsche for less money than it than a fully loaded Dodge Ram costs.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Like I th- th- this is now this is going 2 years ago, I'm sure it's the same now, maybe more. But I was looking at buying a new Dodge Ram, just just pricing it out. And of course, I want stick shift because I only drive stick shift, manual transmission. Well, for Dodge Rams now, you can only buy a manual transmission if you're getting a 2,500 or 3,500 series truck. You can't do it with a 1,500, which is what I have right now. And if you want a 2,500 with a manual transmission, it is mandatory that you get a Cummings turbo diesel engine, which is a $10,000 option. Mm-hmm. Ten thousand—that's a car, and I don't—I don't, I don't need. Crazy. Yeah, I don't need diesel. I just want a manual transmission. So I already know what, like, if if I ever do go into a dealership, and and uh, you know, I know I already know what the argument's going to be. I'm going to get right up in the guy's face. and be like, look, I don't want this engine. So if you can't give me a regular gas engine, you're going to have to come way down on the price, buddy. Or I'm I'm leaving. I'm out. I want a manual transmission. I don't need a diesel engine i'll take a v6 v8 either one's fine yeah so that's that's but who knows i gotta wait i got wait yeah. for that other government check to come in <laughs> <laughs> well you've
2: got a 3d printer now so you could just starting now and uh, you know a couple years you could have printed a truck
0: i'm gonna get started on that yeah that's uh, that's why i got the big print bed
2: yeah wise move perfect
0: hey i see you looking at my stuff go get your own shiny all right, it's time for Short and Sweet, which is the opposite of this podcast. It's running long and something else. I don't know.
1: Tom, do you have anything you want to add to wrap up the show? Short and Sweet. Get a printer. There's a lot of help. Whatever printer you pick, will have a Facebook group for that exact printer. Join it. There's so much help. Seriously. That's all I got.
0: That sounds good. That sounds good. Tanda?
1: I would have to agree. I'm, I'm starting a group
2: right now online to help people with their 3D printing. Um, and it's, uh, I, I just started it. I mean, I kind of was inspired by the podcast to really get back into this. And, uh, and and it's just simply called how to rationalize your 3d printer. And you can go on the forum and you can kind of give us a little background, maybe what your family's like, uh, you know, and, uh, we'll come up with the, we'll get together, we'll put our heads together and we'll come up with a a good reason that you should have a 3d printer.
1: I think this group needs to really exist.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. I can't wait to see. I'm going to join it right now. I, I, I'm going to join. Yeah, me and I'm going to be your first customer there, Tanda. Me and Tom tied for yeah. first place there. So
2: I, I tried to get Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but it was taken.
1: That that'd be a great name.
0: That that would be a great name. Yeah, but then you'd have to move. That'd be the the only downside. So um, so as for me, um, one bit of advice I've got for the end of the show is, if you buy a new 3D printer. And you start printing your testy, you know, your little test benchies there. And you're trying to get them off and they keep snapping. Um, Don't wait for advice from your friends. Just go on Amazon and order a magnetic pull-off sheet for your printer bed because that's what I did. And, uh, you know, so I'm just, uh, I have glue and a printer bed that's magnetic.
1: But, But you may still need to use the glue on that bed. Oh,
0: I'm definitely using the glue. I've got four sticks here. It's got to go somewhere. Okay. You gotta go somewhere. Well, it's not edible. It's non-toxic, but it's not edible. Well, the, the other the other thing is um, the, the the only downside to that magnetic sheet kit, which maybe a lot of people don't know, is it warns you if you read the fine print that is only good up to a certain temperature. Because if you raise the temperature up too high, then it loses its magnetism, which means right you need the original print bed if you're going to print something hot. Uh, like perhaps, oh, I don't know, carbon fiber reinforced nylon, which prints very, very hot. So I actually want to keep both beds because it's a plate that you can take off. If you look at a print bed, it's actually two aluminum plates. So I'm going to remove that plate, and that means I need a second aluminum plate. And believe it or not, uh, I am going to get one. It seems to me I'm still waiting on the price quote, but it looks like the cheapest option is from SendCutSend, not sponsored. And and I don't recommend them, but but <laughs> I
1: don't recommend them.
0: If if you look at any other um, place like uh, like online metals, uh, not sponsored, uh, so they they'll sell you a twelve by twelve sheet. However, the print bed is not twelve by twelve, and it's actually it says it's three hundred by three hundred, but that is not correct. If you measure it, the print bed is actually three hundred and twenty millimeters by three hundred nine millimeters. So it's just slightly bigger. So uh, all I did was I just drew up a, a file in um, in my, I use uh, Cinema 4D for my designing. And I sent it to Send, Cut, Send. And they said there was something wrong with the file when they received it, so I gotta resend it. But um, yeah, that's how I'm gonna get it. And I'm probably gonna order like a bunch of other cut things from them just because, you know, they got brass and I love brass.
2: I just ordered a vacuum chuck um, for something I'm doing at work. Um, and I just ordered the profile from Send Cut Send, and and had a little more done to it than just rounding the corners, but it was an inexpensive yeah. place to buy buy the profile of raw material to start with. I have another little thing. I may have a follow up maybe next week. A story that uh, hasn't hasn't happened yet because it just started today. I just got a call today from a machine. Um, I don't know, builder, repair person today that occasionally calls on me to do some PLC or some controls work. And he said, I've got a 3D printer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he wants help with his with his 3D printer. And, and I want your help with it. Well, it turns out this 3D printer is at a business somewhere and I've never heard of it, but it's made by a company called Robos, a German company. And I've only just looked it up because I just had this conversation like before I drove here to start the podcast, but we're going to go work on this printer later this week to see if we can get it working. And it's advertised as the most accurate 3d printing technology in the world for high performance, super polymers and composites. Hmm. And so it could be, could be a fun adventure. And it was kind of funny because he's like, no, this is a commercial printer and it's just a little one. And, and I'm like, oh okay and he's like it's like four feet by four feet what and i'm like what's well, that's not little <laughs> and he's like oh i work on big yeah. machines i don't know what this 3d printing stuff is that's a little machine <laughs> in my world a four foot by four foot machine is a little machine um and so uh, you know maybe maybe this time next week i'll uh, i'll have a, a story of what this t- 3d printer does
0: very cool sounds good we welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time.
2: Hey, yo, we fighting with a fool.
0: Well... Uh, I'm sorry to say, guys, that I lost a bet to Memphis, and uh, he's here. Dang, tooting him here. I don't even know why you got me back on here. I didn't like it the first time I was here. You wasting my time with all this nonsense. You called the computer and stuff, and I don't, I don't like it. What, you, you promised me 50 bucks. I didn't, I didn't promise you, and you won the bet. That's why you're here. I didn't promise you any money. You say that now, now that I'm here. Some. Hey. So, so anyway
2: hey, hey memphis what, what you want lady oh i just uh i i saw you pj's uh, 3d printer and uh what, what do you what do you think of that
0: i think it's a big waste of money it's a giant paperweight i don't know what bothers sinking his money
2: he could have got a whole you know truckload of beer for how much that thing costs is ridiculous well that's that's true you could buy a fair amount of beer with the 3d printer but you can you can make things you can Print, print out things that you didn't have before. You could print paperweights. You know, paperweights. You know, listen.
0: I, I make something every time I go sit on a throne. You know, and I don't have to pay nothing. So, and, and that's about the same thing what he's got over here on his table. They actually work fairly similar. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you, Memphis? Are you trying to say you're you're comparing my my ability to make things with a 3D printer to you taking a dump? Is am I understanding that correct? Yeah. What, what I got spelled out for you? You want to smell it too? That's that's exactly what I'm saying, boy. Don't you, boy, me. I'll kick you right out of the basement. All right, then where are you going to go? Well, you don't got to be mean about it.
2: Man's early extruder.
0: <laughs> that that's true. Some,
2: some of the some of the earliest three D prints.
0: Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if I I call them three D prints, but yeah, I, I guess uh, that the, the technically they are
1: three D poops. Close enough. <laughs> fresh fresh prints. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about.
0: What is he talking about, Freshy? He's talking about a TV show.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's like you know, early early prints were done that way. They were actually like frogs and and ant deers and and all kinds of things it's just the resolution was really Really low. Archaeologists just haven't discovered yet that they're just super ro- low-resolution prints.
0: I ain't interested in any kind of nonsense. The only kind of prints I like is like Playboy and Penthouse and, you know, the full color. You know, give me the spread and all that That's right. That's right. That's the kind of prints I'm looking for. You know, I, I don't know if it's just nonsense or you're talking about the dinosaurs and stuff. It's just ridiculous.
2: Well, this is this is 3D printing, though. This is not just 2D. This is actually three-dimensional, like, like, like almost real.
0: Uh, almost real? What? What? Are you trying to say I can get some 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 real uh playboy playmates? From, uh, well, well, they have
2: to they have to fit within your print bed, but
0: yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to say. I want to get them on the bed. Yeah. So, so how 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 do I how do I do that? There. That sounds that sounds kind of nice.
2: Okay. Well, I'm going to give you some instructions. You're going to need a glue stick, and uh, <laughs> and you you're going to want to put a little bit of glue stick on the bed first why, why, why do i need glue on, on my bed if you don't put a little bit of glue stick on the bed then then you know your your playmate is gonna is gonna stick it's gonna be really hard to get off the bed
0: my bed's already sticky i gotta add more on there to make it stickier oh. that, that doesn't make any sense I, I, don't, I don't know that doesn't make no sense It it i mean all right fine, i'll put a glue stick on there that's fine I, I, how, how, how do i give me a bunny
2: well you, then you're going to need to get a, a model of your model so you, you'll need a 3D model of your model, um, and you you'd probably find that somewhere online. Are you do you do you go online?
0: Uh, you, I'm have to wait in line. Like, like, you mean like like talk to Hugh Hefner and get one of the well, models? To, no, to... not no,
2: not not like on queue on 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 online, like uh, on the internet.
0: Uh, I'm on I'm on the internet now with you.
2: Yeah, yeah. So if you uh, if you go online, you might be able to find a, a model of a model online are you trying to confuse me
0: with all this double talk i, I i'm not i'm beginning to think this is one of them um, circular conversations where you're trying to make yourself look smarter to me I, I, i'm not liking this here where i want to know how am i going to get me one of them naked bunnies that's in the magazine in 3d on a bed i want that. that's what i want to know
2: well it's probably probably better to start out small so maybe start out with like a, a like a chocolate bunny and you can probably find a model chocolate bunny easier and then and then kind of work your way up to a playboy bunny
0: the f*** you talking about a playboy bunny is a chocolate bunny that's not even the same animal there i got that you son of a b-. i don't want to know what there. i want a naked woman i what do you understand yeah. about that memphis all right i'm gonna cut you off right there okay you need to have some respect for the people that are on this podcast you can't just be yelling and cursing at everybody that's not acceptable Mike my- I don't care if you won the bet I will throw you off right now you understand me I, I, I apologize I, I was not trying to be disrespectful
1: man my kids listen to this podcast I mean not by choice it's just something in the background but they're gonna hear those curses
2: yeah I think I think PJ can maybe edit some of that out I was just trying to avoid the situation of uh, you know of PJ's computer because I'm I'm sure that's the computer he's going to use if he goes on the internet and I want to have him not be looking up unseemly things
1: well let me just let me just to go back to what we were talking about i just want to clarify uh memphis you understand that if you do accomplish the things that tanda is trying to instruct you the, these are going to be plastic models what, what uh well, yeah, i
0: know i know some, some of them have like the plastic surgery i'm I'm well aware of that uh, but the, you know i get like you know the quadruple d there as long as it's it looks real i don't care these are these are just going to be 3d 3d that's very small that's that's like a a cup right
2: i don't know I, I, what what that's actually reasonably good size but they're going to be entirely plastic right not not just a little bit of plastic surgery they're the 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 your bunny is going to be entirely made of plastic Well, are you, are you, are you talking like a spork much like a spork yes only maybe more attractive oh
0: yeah that sounds good How <laughs> can i get one of them you memphis you understand this is this is not a real woman you're getting here gonna be a plastic, like a toy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, a, a toy. That that sounds good. Uh, I get a toy on the bed, and, you know, have some some alone time. And Me- Memphis, I I don't think he understands what we're talking about here. This is it's going like right over his head.
2: Is, is there anything else that Memphis might want to print? I mean, I mean, surely he's got like an alligator collar or. Or some you know chew toys for alligators or something that he could print.
0: Uh, well, you, you know Buford would love some some stuff there, but he's he's a little more picky than me. So I don't know if we uh, uh, can 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 you print any
2: gator toys? I I would think so. I mean, if you can if you can find you know models out there or make your own, gator, what kind of toys do gators like? I mean, they they don't like do they like bones? They like like plastic chickens or well. well uh... He, he he
0: likes them if they look like uh, people from Florida. No, oh. well, so, wait, are you are you trying to tell me the whole time you've been down in Florida over the winter, Buford has been chewing on Floridians? Is, is that what's been happening? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I, I I can't I can't can't say can't really say no. And exactly why why can't you say? If it's exactly what what happened. As a matter of fact, why are you back? It's actually still a little chilly up here. It seems like you're back a little early from Florida. or may have been some misunderstanding with the local law enforcement uh, had a, you know I had to leave a little early. That's all. Buford ate somebody, didn't he? I, I can't confirm or deny any of those accusations. All right, but I, I think uh, I think that's our show yeah but um I I highly regret bringing Memphis on. I'm not gonna thank him at all and uh, I- I'd like to thank Tom and Tanda for being here for whatever the heck that just was. And, uh, I, You're welcome. Uh, I, I, I don't apologize to everybody that uh, had to experience this, but um, we'll, we promise to come back next week without this ridiculous
2: circus. Is that where the term fluoridated water comes from? I hope not. It's water filled with Floridians? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yo, dog, you should
0: never fight a fool.